All right, guys, this is episode three of the Gundog Notebook. Uh, it's a very special episode to me. It's a very uh, powerful and significant episode for me, just, you know, for a lot of different reasons. Um, but I got a chance to meet and just out of happenstance, me buying pigeons uh, and some quail, got a chance to meet and speak about uh, gun dogs with get schooled on some stuff, like really schooled. But I really, really appreciate it. I got a chance to speak with Richard Mumpower. And out of uh, Columbus, Columbus, Georgia. So this one was a good episode. Everybody say, hey, the Ruger. He just got up and realized I'm recording something. Um, just listen, man. Like, he was just spitting knowledge, man. Just so passionate. So, I really don't want to hold y'all up too much. But, I mean, I'm going back down there to see him pretty soon. So, I mean, I'll let y'all know how that goes. It's going to be cool. And... Oh, yeah, y'all, I got birds. I got birds, I got birds. Yeah, I got some birds in the back that I purchased from Rich, actually. And I got two little Bob Whites in the back. They're just hanging out and kicking it. He had this Mexican quail in the back of his uh, quail pen. That Yo, cool as all get out. I'll post it on the Tumblr site um, just for content and stuff like that. So you, you kind of know, yo, the coolest thing in the world. But, um, you are so spoiled. So, yeah, yo, Ruger also had an amazing hunting weekend this weekend. Flush birds. I mean, the dude, he was a rock star. This is all paying off. So, I got to thank him for it. And even Rich, you know, it was an important thing that Rich told me out of watching my hunting videos that I'm sending them through the weekend and stuff like that. And he's like, yo, just put some duct tape over your mouth. The most important thing for a trainer, bless you, sir. The most important thing tool for a dog trainer is some duct tape. Why? Put it over your mouth. And that's what I need to do, apparently. So we're going to try that. Um, somehow it's, it's still very hard not to speak to this guy. But I'm going to try it for like a week, maybe. I'll let you know how it goes. So, without further ado, this is the Gun Dog Notebook episode three. All right, I'll check back in with you later. Richard Mumpower on the other line. Well, you just probably saved me like what? What five years worth of headache? No, I did not save you. You were not that far gone. Really. Well, it, it damn sure feels like it. So, <laughs> it definitely feels like it. So, um, but yeah, man. First of all, how was how was how was uh how was the summit today? Oh, she did really good. Uh, like I think you already know, I, I took her out training yesterday, and for everyone listening, you know, I'm training her for the uh, AKC hunt test in North Florida. Yep. Uh, on October 21st and 22nd in uh, Milton, Florida. And so anyway, I'm, I'm training her up for that. I've been working with her ever since her junior hunt uh, last in the spring of this year. And uh, I kind of got late, started late with her. Mm -hmm. um, what happened, I went to Louisiana Woodcock hunting with her. And, and after that Woodcock hunting trip, I was like, why stop? Just because hunting season's over with, just because bird hunting season's over with, I need to put goals in front of myself mm -hmm. and, and go for those goals. And uh, she is, her bloodline is out of four Hall of Fame dogs. But I noticed that a lot of the people that, that bred after those Hall of Famers, uh, they really didn't put much effort into titling the dogs. And so... You know, generations one, two, and three are basically blank on her end, but the fourth generation is stacked with your Hall of Famers and dual champions and dual champions and master hunters. So I just don't want to lose that in this line. 
so I decided after that, uh, I decided after that uh, hunting trip in Louisiana that I would make that my goal. Uh, you know, title my dog and start start this all over again and show you know show that this line is a, a really good line. So anyway, by the time I got back, uh, there was there was really only a couple of hunt tests even feasible because of the distance and I took her to a hunt test actually I got her involved in uh, NAVDA North American Versatile Hunting Dog Association yep. and uh, I did the natural ability test with her up in uh, North Georgia up in Jessup okay. and I had never done a hunt test before she had never done a hunt test before the only thing I had done with her was I took her to Louisiana Bird hunting. So this was as natural as you could get. Yep. And I talked to people up there at that hunt test, and there were people there, you know, this was like their second or third test because their dogs had scored like prize three, and uh, they were looking to get prize one. And I found it funny because I felt that she was so far beyond this test. Really? Oh, yeah. Like... You know, I mean, we started that test out with uh, the judge asking. The judge came out and said, uh, Mr. Mumpower, uh, I just want you to know that if this is the way you hunt, okay. But if you want to slow down, you're, you're okay to slow down. And I said, uh, this way I hunt. She <laughs> said, well... Just to let you know that you're, you're hunting a lot faster than everyone else. And I said, okay. So I basically took it that, you know, this is my hunt. This is my test. You're here to judge. I'm going to I'm going to move forward. Right. Gonna keep doing what I'm doing. And uh, I had walked a test earlier that day to just so I could get eyes on and see what it was. And the dog had cleared the course barely. Barely cleared the course, right? Yeah. And, and he did good. Uh, he was, I thought that he was a little, he, he was a little bootlicker, like he stayed closer, closer than I liked. Mm-hmm. And the guy mentioned that he was a little gun sensitive, but other than that, I thought that he, he held birds well and stuff. That dog found uh, three birds and barely finished the course. So and I, we, did the entire course twice, <laughs> and we found six birds. And uh, anyway, to make a long story short, wow. uh, we finished up prize one. Uh, she did miss her tracking by one point, uh-huh. so we we got a one ten prize one, and I was very happy. And uh, so with that, you know, that got her the uh, NA title for NAVDA, which I was happy about, and. Uh, I, I told my wife, I said, you know, I'm going to look into AKC contests and see what's available. Yeah. By the time I finished that, there was only one hunt test available for the rest of the year because, you know, they have to follow rules about when you can uh, hunt quail mm-hmm. and when you can do. Uh, it's all about the releasing of the quail, I guess, because they, they couldn't. They couldn't do any hunt tests after this date. Okay. So I, I, did, I was able to get some of it into that hunt test, and uh, we, uh, we did well. I mean, I passed both legs, and once again, I felt that I was above the test, which is okay. You know, like, for me personally, you want to train above the test. Right. If I'm, like, right now, I'm not training Summit to stand steady to, uh, wing and shot, right? Right. Like, that's the senior hunt level. So, you know, senior hunt level, you're going to take your dog out there and you can give, you can give the woe command after they establish a point and flush the bird and shoot the bird and the dog can break on the shot. But I'm not training her to break on the shot. I'm, I'm training her to stay steady through that wing, shot, and fall. Right. And... I'm training her at the master level because my theory is if you train at a high 
level than your test. You, the test is nothing. Right. The test is you're going to be prepared regardless. Right. And that makes that, that, that makes when I go into a test that I know that my dog is overly prepared for, there's no stress on me. Mm-hmm. And if your dog, if you're stressed, your dog knows you're stressed. Right? And so if you just sit back and if you've done your work, if you've trained your dog to this level that when you go to do the test and you're not stressed, your dog's not going to feel stressed. Right. And you're just out there performing, right? Mm-hmm. Believe me, if I take her out there and she stayed a wing shot and talk, <laughs> there's, it's not going to be an issue passing the scene. Right. So anyway, uh, right. I mean, she, no. she did good yesterday and then today I took her over there. And uh, yesterday when I was training her, I felt she was crowding birds. Uh-huh. What do you mean by crowding? Uh, getting too close. Okay. So I feel that if the dog is too close, and this is pointing breeds, I know you're a flusher guy. Mm-hmm. If, if a dog, if a pointing dog gets too close to that bird, and, you know, and these are planted birds that I'm working with. Right. But, I mean, we don't have the wild birds like we used to back, you know, down in the south. Mm-hmm. But, and that's all I've got to work with, right, planted birds. Right. So if the dog crowds a planted bird, like the dog jumps and it doesn't go on point till it's three to two feet from that bird, you're raising the intensity level uh-huh. of the distraction that's about to happen for that dog, right? Right. I'm trying to get this dog to stay steady through wing, shot, and fall. But when that dog is two feet from that bird, the intensity level of that distraction... Oh, yeah, it's, so it's a big tease. So it's, it's, it's almost impossible, especially her, you know? I mean, she's only 18 months old. Right. And it's, it's so hard to get that dog to focus on being obedient, right? Because that's what we're teaching. We're teaching the dog to be obedient around birds. Right. And so when they're that close, so anyway, from yesterday I felt that she was crowding, and today I worked on uh, making sure she keeps her distance. And what I did today was uh, I just loaded a bunch of remote out into the training field mm-hmm. pigeons and I made it and I made it a point that she was going to have to beat me to the punch so right. as soon as I seen her get birdie I popped the pigeon right. and I wanted her to beat me to the point of me popping that pigeon okay. so the first four or five birds and if she even got, even, if she got 15 yards downwind, and I knew that she was pointing, and like I knew she had scent, I popped the bird. Right. And uh, with her earlier in her uh, training, I I taught her stop to flush first. Right. Mm-hmm. I kind of did everything backwards, and uh, I taught her how to do stop to flush first. So she knows when a bird's in the air. That's that means stop. That, that means woe to her. Right. Yeah. So it's easy for me to, like, if, she, if I'm working her and she gets into a scent cone and I know she's in the scent cone and I know that bird is 15 yards from her, I pop the bird. Right. And when I pop the bird, she knows to stop because she's been trained to stop the flush. So it's, so next time, as soon as she hits the bird, uh, she gets that scent cone and she feels that heat coming inside her nose. Oh, she's going to freeze. She, she, pop, she stops, right? If she doesn't, I'll pop the bird. I'll keep popping birds. I have no issue. I mean, I got homers. <laughs> and I'll keep popping them, man. Anyway, I sent you that video. That was the last bird of the other day. And I was like, you know what? This is a good one to end on. Uh, my buddy, I gave my buddy, he had, I think, five or six homers in his bag that I gave him to work with. Uh-huh. And he had, I think, two or three left. But we just, I used those. I let him use those for his dog, but I made sure that Summit was around the area when he would use them, uh-huh. and I would basically just use the uh, stop and flush drill. 
And it's easy for me to fall back on the stop to flush because that's one of the first things I've taught her. So I know she's successful at it. Yeah. So even though I had a successful session of her not crowding a bird, standing on flush, standing on shot, and everything, it's easy for me to say, yeah, she can still go through these drills because I know she's going to nail them. Right. I have confidence in that. But it, I mean, but it sounds like you building a lot of fundamentals, but also like that's I, I for me again being a a, a flusher guy. I uh, teaching a dog to stop when there's a scent is an interesting concept to me. I like that concept, you know, and I I, I appreciate it. But see, I don't I don't teach my dog that, so. send them in like once you're ready to get there Trust me, I want one, but I just haven't. I I haven't quite made that commitment. Just 
I haven't. But stick around, I'll get you. <laughs> you look you convincing me about that drop out man like you, that was that was so pretty yeah I mean drops are an engineered breed right like yeah. they're no, they're, they haven't been touched yeah. you know what I'm saying all of these other dogs German short how does a German short okay so you, you have a Deutsch Draht Hawk, which uh-huh. is the German wire hair, right? Uh-huh. It's the German registered version of the German wire hair. And then you have Deutsch Kurtzar, which is the German short hair. Mm-hmm. It's the German registered version of the German short hair. So you tell me how these dogs are the Deutsch Kurtzar and the Deutsch Draht to me, those are your originals, right? Mm-hmm. Those are the originals. Those come from Germany. Those are from the standard. Now, the standard is this, this, and this, right? For example, and hey, you've seen Summit. She's as white as Snow White. Right. <laughs> right? Right. So, hey, I'm not saying this is bad. I just want to know how it happens. <laughs> how, does a, how does a breed? Deutsch Cursor, which is the original, and they have a breed standard of this is the way the dog must look, mm-hmm. and white's not allowed. Right. How does my, how did that breed, that original, get from there to my dog, which is almost solid white with a little bit of stuff on her head? It makes you think that there's been some things going on over here in the United States. Mm-hmm. Hey, let's try to make these a little bit more birdie. Right. How can we do that? Well, that English pointer is right. You mix it. <laughs> just my thoughts. Your listeners can kill me later. But that's just the way I think. And same way with the, my drop. For uh-huh. all of those that don't know, I own a Deutsch Drottar. And to me, that is the four by four of hunting dogs. He does everything. Yeah. He will blood track your deer. He will go get your ducks. And when you're done duck hunting, he'll go get your duck decoys. He will fetch every dove that you shoot. He'll fetch every dove that all your buddies shoot. We trained yesterday and we trained yesterday and Summit, I put two birds out under the you seen those cages that uh, Lion Country Supply sells, and you put the quail under them. You just, they're like tip-up cages. Mm-hmm. And you just step on one end, and it pops. And it pops the cage up. up yeah. The quail flushes. All right, so I I did two of those cages. Uh huh. And I had went through I think eight birds at the time, and so I decided to move them. Mm-hmm. Fifty-one years old and dementia hit. And after we went out there, I couldn't find that second cage to save my life. <laughs> and, and I tell you what, I mean, I looked, I looked, and Summit looked. Uh-huh. It, I don't know if you noticed, but yesterday the winds was whipping. It was moving, yeah. Anyway, she just, she couldn't find it. And I guess. Is this, it so it's still out there? No, no, listen. And uh, so it was. It was a bit of, uh, you know, I worked her all day already. It was kind of hot, windy. Mm-hmm. I can make all kinds of excuses. She couldn't find it, and the dementia in me couldn't find it. <laughs> and I just don't know where that damn cage was. Huh. So I went and got that drop. I went and got Knox. I released him. Found he it. pointed that cage from about 25 yards away. Wow. And I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> wow. Pointed it, and I went over there and freaking flushed that bird and shot it. He went and retrieved it. And then uh, after that, he found another bird that somebody had missed that day training. And he stopped, pointed that, I flushed it, killed it, and he retrieved it. But it was a, it was wow. What I'm getting at is these drops. Dude, 
when I, I'm telling you, when I was over there and I was looking, I was, it, that's just, it, to me, it was just the way he was moving, like, when you were, um, showing me some things, um, it, it, I don't know, it's just a beautiful, like, rugged kind of, like, yeah, he walks like he is the stuff, he walks like, yo, I'm, I'm here, yeah, and I'm like, whoa, but he's like the nicest dog, uh-huh, he's so nice, Unless you're a raccoon and he <laughs> a raccoon or a cat. Yeah. You're not nice. It's not nice. It's yeah. not happening. No, no, no. Yeah, so they they have a hell of a fur drive. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Alright, so let me ask you this. Alright, um I would I I'm pretty new to just learning it and this is pretty much Ruger is my for all of the dogs that I've tried to train, Ruger is probably my tip top. And I kind of think about where I started back in Lord whenever, five, six years ago, just interested in dogs. And then it kind of graduated to this. Um, I wanted to ask you the same thing. How did you even get into the dogs that you have training and all of that? Where did it start? All right. So it all began when I was <laughs> I, yeah, I know. <laughs> so anyway, my dad had uh, Brittany Spaniels as I was growing up, and he, I grew up in uh, southwestern Virginia okay. in, uh, in Appalachian Mountains, and he uh, grouse hunted all the time, and on top of grouse hunting, he had uh, two Brittany's, mm-hmm. and just, he, that's all he did was grouse hunting. And if you knew my dad, he gets a little carried away with everything he does. And uh, so hunting, he was just carried away with it. Yeah. And I get it. <laughs> I'm the same way. So when uh, I, after I joined the Army, this is 1984. Uh, it was 1986 after I'd spent a year at my first duty station, and I decided you know what? I mean, I was jumping grouse like it was no tomorrow up at Fort Drum, New York, up in Watertown, New York. And uh, I'm talking about, uh, there were so many grouse. Man. Yeah. And uh, so I went home on uh, leave, and I told my dad before I went there, I said, I need a Britney Spaniel. So he found a guy that had a Britney Spaniel, a two-year-old dog named Duke. Uh-huh. And uh, I took, I brought Duke home. I brought Duke back to my barracks, and I, I had this farmer that allowed me to keep Duke on his farm as long as I came there and uh, spent time with him every single day and fed him, watered him, and all that. And uh, so Duke and I spent the next three years at Fort Drum killing the hell out of grouse. And I'm telling you. This ain't no lie. Uh-huh. Normally jump, jump, point flush, seventeen to eighteen grouse a morning. Wow. There would be times we would find like an out an alder tree uh-huh. in snow, and he would go on point, and I would look, and there would be little holes in the snow, and I would go in there, and the entire the, the entire bottom of the floor would explode in snow, and I'm talking about 10 12 grouse would flush up out of the snow. And they would, at night, they would roost in the trees, and before dark, they would dive into the snow. Uh-huh. And stay, they would, they would, it was a snow roost, right? And then uh, in the morning time, the damn dog would find them, and it was a damn covey of grouse. <laughs> Carolina? 
No, it wasn't South Carolina. It was North, it was North Georgia. Uh, uh, yeah, that lake up there. Lake, is it Lake Lanier? Yeah, that's, that's North Georgia. So I bought a, a jerk tour there and uh, started uh, doing National Future Retrieve Association uh-huh. trials. And I placed him third place when he was a six-month-old puppy. Dang. And I, I, was, I was like, man, this is, this is it. So uh, I had him, and I found another German shorthair for free on, uh, in the paper that it was, a guy had owned it. it was a, he was a customs agent in mm-hmm. an airport mm-hmm. and couldn't spend the time with her. Her name was Dixie. And uh, I took him. His name was Top and Dixie, and that's who I hunted with from '92 to '98. <laughs> Yo. And then '98, I went to Alaska. Came back from Alaska in 2002. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. Did you hunt in Alaska? Oh God, yeah. Okay, <laughs> I was hoping so. Yeah, yeah. I've How is that? Okay. Farmigan up there, they uh, they turn white before the snow hits. You know, they turn white based off of the weather. Yeah. And so it, a few cold snaps, and they start turning white, and the damn ground's green. <laughs> so easy picking. Yeah, you can go up there, and you just see them in a big covey of white <laughs> on, the of, on the side of the ridge. And you run over there, you know, you'll go over there, and you, you'll jump them. And shoot one or two, and you'll watch them fly around the damn bowl. Uh-huh. Watch them all land. You're like, all right, let's go over there. And, and then keep doing it. Yep, keep doing it. Wow. Up to a point. You know, you, I, that is that is on my bucket list of places to um, do some upland hunting, and definitely waterfowl. Like, I want to go out there. I don't know if that would be on my bucket list. Really. Yeah. I've heard Alaska is a pretty damn good place, man. No, it's not good enough for a bucket list place. Really? You know, yeah, if you want a bucket list, go to Kansas. Where you got oh, yeah, I'm, Pheasant, uh, Bob White's. We are, me and my buddy are trying to, are trying to see about putting together a trip to go out there this, uh, this season, actually. Yeah, if I had to do a bucket list, it would be, uh, Really? Dang. Grouse and Woodcock. Okay. And I would do it in Kansas. I tell you what, another one would be uh, North Dakota. North Dakota for for everything. Kansas for your pheasant Bob White. And I would do an Arkansas duck hunting trip. Okay. Like, your ducks in Arkansas would blow the ducks in Alaska away. Really, I heard my I I've heard it in Arkansas. It is just I heard it's wild. Yeah. Okay. Man. Okay, that's cool. All right, then I'll do it. But I still want to go to Alaska. I I I, I think it's just because that's such a far away. Like that's so far away from here, and everything is so much different. But um, also, you know, I noticed even now in Georgia. I run a lab, so it gets hot, man. <laughs> it gets hot, and uh, yeah, like I was out, um, before, you know, right after I came in and picked up the birds. You know, I was out running, uh, we were going those quails and you know all of that stuff. And I mean, he was getting hot, man. Think about my dry. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, okay. I mean, dang. But the crazy part about it was he wouldn't stop trying to get birds. That's a drive, dude. <laughs> and he's a pup, man. So it's kind of like, okay. Um, but, dang, man. Like, I uh, I also wanted you to, it would have been cool for you to be there because, I, I, I don't know, man. I, I would have really appreciated Honestly, just walking around and watching Ruger just work. Um, I, I really, once we get there, like I'm coming back down there. Um, I ran it by Ashley too, and she was like, 
yeah, why don't you just go? <laughs> Yeah, so I'll definitely be back down there next weekend. I, you know, I'm ex, you know, I'm, a, I'm retired military, and you know, did all the infantry stuff and the ranger stuff. And my buddies are the same. Like my buddies are in third ranger battalion. Mm-hmm. So you know, we take pride on being able to shoot. <laughs> and if you can't shoot, you're gonna you're about to get a lot of shit. Uh huh. And I'll direct him to pick up um, certain ones. 
And then there's these things, these walking baseball drills that, that you can do. Or basically, it's a um, it's a retriever drill. And basically, you have your dog sitting in the center. You back up probably 10, 15 yards. You know, throw a bumper one way, throw a bumper the other. And I send my dog to get the oldest one first. Does that make sense? Yep. Yeah. So. Basically a marking drill. Yeah, it's a marking drill. And for me, that's. That's important because, and then I had this this situation uh, happen this weekend where two quail flushed. He flushed two quail or whatever. It was, it was two sitting next to each other. One went one way and the other went the other way. Well, one went to the left, one went to the right. I ended up shooting the one to the right. He ended up chasing the one to the left. So you missed both of them. No, I hit the one to the right. But you missed the other one. But yeah, I missed the other one. What I wanted him to he do. Didn't need to be in any competition. <laughs> 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 hey, look. So uh-uh. Let's get back to your story. I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna let you do that to me. Uh-uh. <laughs> so anyway. So anyway. <laughs> I what I wanted him to do was go to the right to go ahead and get that one. Yes. I, I don't need you to go to the left. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so that that's a big thing in terms of being like steady like that. That's a big thing that I'm trying to get him to work on. You know, um, in addition to those hole drills that you were telling me about that, yeah, I watched all three or three out of those six videos already. Good. If you say no, you're lying. But if you go out there and you got this plan, out there and got your dog and got you got it all set up everything just it just slow with him um, I, I think I was more cautious than anything kind of like you know like you said a, a chip, you know stuff going from hell in a hand back, basket yeah. I was real cautious about that <laughs> so in the beginning I think I was probably I was probably like real curious to to look and see and I had started reading a whole bunch of books and so on and so forth um but I hear a bunch of people you know you get that new dog and it's like oh like you know I got this dog and you want to put a whole bunch of pressure on him to be this great hunter and you move too fast and you I don't know you scared a dog out of, of, of even wanting to do it for you I was really scared about that and that's good and that's, yeah. a, that's a sign of someone that wants to make a difference dog's life right. someone that's scared to make the mistake right like you know when I had knocks I would when I draw I was so scared I was going to make a mistake <laughs> you know because now I mean just you don't understand this because you're young mm-hmm. let me just explain this to you there was a time when there was no such thing as the internet uh, hey, look, I was born in 1990, man. <laughs> I understand. You weren't training dogs during this period. Uh-uh. And I was. And let me tell you how hard it was back then to train a dog. Uh-huh. Especially if you had your first bird dog. Mm-hmm. You entered uh, Nastra. And you had nothing to go off of but a book that you read. And you read the hell out of it. And then to come find out, and I tell you what, it was the Del Mar, it wasn't, it was the, uh, I don't think it was Del Mar Smith, but it was uh, training, training your bird dog, 
were pointing three bird dog. Mm-hmm. But it was so there. I mean, he was teaching you how to train a bird dog with a wing on a string and all this. Now it's come that you know you look now and everybody is like against wing on a string. Uh, what's now, wrong with that though? Because you're teaching the dog the sight point versus scent. But we could do a whole other podcast <laughs> because I could spend uh-huh. an hour on this this shit about wing on a string and how it's not effective. Well, you tell me how a wing on a string is not effective when I took a six-month-old puppy and placed him third in a field trial. I lost my dog for over 30 minutes one time while while quail hunting. What? I found him on point leaning against a tree because he'd been there so damn long with his leg lifted up. Wow. And the only thing I did with that dog when he was a puppy was wing on the string. Wing on a string. I would throw a wing down, put him on point in the kitchen, and go watch freaking some damn TV show for 30 minutes and leave him on point. And just let him sit there. Because I didn't know. Like, back then, man, you just didn't know. You didn't know what was right, what was wrong. Because you didn't have all this wealth of information on the internet. Now, everybody's a pro trainer. Everybody's going to tell you what you're doing wrong. Yeah. So... It's, it's wild that if you look back at all the mistakes that was going on, because <laughs> I made a bunch of them. Well, I mean, that is, I think that's my biggest story. And I know I'm going to. I mean, you know, I'm very, very, very fresh to the game. Here's the key about building prey drive with your dogs. Mm-hmm. You build that prey drive so when you make a mistake and you're going to, that your dog basically recovers the next day right. because the prey drive is so high nothing you can do really is going to mess him up yeah. I mean, nothing that is extreme right right i mean i go out here my dog catches a quail by accident and when it ain't by accident on her part it's accident on my part right right she meant to catch it that's not an accident <laughs> right. i should not have like placed it where I placed it, dizzy it like I dizzy it, what have you. Right. It's my mistake. She caught it. You know, bad scent conditions or what have you got her too close to it. She could see it. She felt she could grab it. She grabbed it and she snatched it up. Yeah, it's not her fault. Yeah, it's my fault for what I did. And that's it. I tell you what, if most trainers would just look back at what they've done wrong or what their dog is doing wrong. Mm-hmm. They will always point back to the trainer. The trainer is at fault. Yeah. Well, and being aware of that is good to ask questions. Again, like, and and just have somebody else. Like, I what I need to do is start. Well, I mean, we're working towards that that hunt test too in the spring. But I want to start just going and watching other hunt tests just for that. Like, you're right. You, you know, just observe. Because, again, again, those mistakes are going to be there, but <laughs> at least you can have a better idea, you know, of what it is. Um, so, in knowing that and in, in going on and, and everything that you learn, I guess, what are your goals for Knox and Summit? Like, what, are, what do you, where do you see them in their career as? Is, to me is just my buddy, right? Okay. Knox is, Knox is uh, and a lot of people could benefit from this, is he is the hunting buddy that I've always needed in my life. Mm-hmm. Any, any single time I want to go hunting, Knox will always wake up. No matter how early I want to go, mm-hmm. Knox is going to wake up and go. And if I want to go duck hunting, and it's 30 degrees outside, and freaking the damn ponds got some ice on it. He don't care. He just wants to be there with me hunting, mm-hmm. and that's all I want. I just want to be there with him hunting. Yeah. So Knox is that guy for me. 
Um, something I want a little bit more uh, as she, like I said earlier, knocks will like good die out on me for after about forty five minutes to an hour of hunting, mm-hmm. and he needs a little break, and then I can take him out for another thirty minutes to forty five minutes after that, and he'll need another break, and I can take him again for about thirty minutes. I'm just based off my like my Louisiana woodcock hunts, right? Right. And that, that's how it basically goes. We'll go out in the morning time, and he's good for an hour, hour and such. And then uh, we'll, I'll, we'll switch out dogs. He'll take about a 35, 40-minute break. He's good for another 45 minutes. But with Summit, man, that dog, there's no... I trained with her yesterday for four straight hours. And she's still going. I brought her home and she stayed in the backyard for at least another two to three hours chasing butterflies and birds. Wow. Just stamina, man. I mean, yeah. I quit with her, right? Yeah. And, uh, and I try to train her, you know, as much as I can. And you saw her, so there's no. There's not an ounce of fat in her. Body. Oh, not at all. That is that is that's like a Wonder Woman. Like yeah, she's muscular as all get out. Man, she just goes, goes, goes. So anyway, I have a lot of. Uh, I, I want to title her. I want to get her her master hunt title. Okay. In the AKC pointing test, and then I want to title her as far as I can, and I'm thinking uh, her senior hunt title. Retrievers, mm-hmm. and I would like to get her versatile champion in the uh, NAFTA. So I, I want to title her as much as possible because personally, to me, uh, tests are fun. Yeah, uh, tests give me a goal every single year. Twice a year, they give me a goal. I have a goal in the, this fall. I have a goal. I have a goal this spring. Yeah, you know, and in the middle of it, I get to hunt. Uh-huh. 
Oh, trust me, I want to. I want to. And yeah, she already knows there's gonna be another puppy coming very soon. Like we've been talking about it already. There you go. You, you can buy one of Summons pups. Hey. <laughs> Look, you said I was gonna have one pretty soon. <laughs> tempting um and i i told her i said i wanted at least one point dog too so oh man that's so tempting um man rich i um i just i really enjoyed this man like i uh, i i really enjoyed so much more we could have talked about yeah it i i can see him going but i want to save her when i come down there because yeah, I'm coming down there next weekend. If, if you cool with that, which weekend is that? Um, that is. Let me see. What's the calendar? The 14th. All right, good. Yeah, we're training. So yeah. I'm gonna train your dog. I ain't gonna train your dog. <laughs> Wait, no. I'm sorry. Wait, is that the seventh or the 14th? This coming weekend's the seventh. Next weekend is the 14th. All right. Let me double check. And, uh, it don't matter, man. I'm training the 7th and the 14th. The 14th. All right, cool. So let me let me double check with you. It'll either be the 7th or the 14th, but like I'm going to push for the 7th if I can. Yeah. I just need to see. 3rd, 4th, 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th, 9th, 12th. I am training all the way until that test, man. Yeah. No man, I'm I'm definitely about to come down there and just watch how you do things because I got a lot to learn and it's not nothing. It's nothing special, dude. I mean, we, we just go out there and we have a plan of what we're going to do. Yeah, and we make sure that we follow that because the worst thing you can do is go out there and not have a plan and try to try to just. As we say in the army, try to finger fuck it. <laughs> and yeah. you end up screwing yourself up. And uh, we don't like that because this is what I do like. I like ending every training session on a good note. And I'm not talking about, okay, I just have my dog go out there and point, mm-hmm. and break point, chase the bird. And that was it, right? So now I got to end it on a good note. Uh, summit, sit. Okay. Here, good girl. That's not a good note. That's not it. That's not the whole thing, right? That's not ending a training session on a good note. People, people believe that. People actually believe that they can go out and train. And no matter what, as long as they end it on a good note, it's okay. Right. There's two. There, there's a couple things here. We're going to extend your podcast right now because I'm going to go on a damn rampage. Please there's do. A couple things here, right? Is people think that they can just train, and because of their piss poor planning, they had a bad training session. Right. But as long as they end the training on a good note, they're good, right? Mm-hmm. So we had a piss poor training session what we were trying to accomplish but let's back all this up to something you know alright and we go, we back it up to like something simple as hell because the dogs are following and we're good with that that's not that's not what all this meant you know None of the, it was never meant to be like that so there's two good notes here right and what I want to te- what I want to tell you is this Every dog has something that it desires, like it loves, mm-hmm. and I guarantee it for your for your lab, it loves to fetch. Oh yeah, right. So one one thing to stop your training on a good note is to make everything happy for your dog, right? Mm-hmm. So let's say I was going to go through some whole training with my dog. 
you've watched the videos and you've seen where hold training your dog can't mess up hold training you're you're forcing that dog to do that mm -hmm. right so what I have to do now is make the ending and the beginning fun right right because if I make the beginning of the training session fun and I make the ending of the training session fun it's gonna stay the little there. bit of pressure we give it, he's going to start anticipating the fun part. Mm -hmm. And he's going to like doing hope training because he knows, hey, we're getting ready to do some retrieving. <laughs> you know, we're going right. to do play catch, ball, all that. Right. That's ending on a good note. Right? Yep. That's one. Here's the second one. The second one is probably one of the hardest, and I have a very hard time with this. And it's not just me, it's everyone. Everyone is programmed to want to continue to succeed, right? Mm -hmm. So let's say we take our dog out and we go out there and we train. And your training session is set up to your dog goes on point, and you're going to have to, like, think about this later for your retriever. But your dog goes on point, good distance. You step in front of your dog, do some flushing, 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 flushing. You pop the bird. Your dog stands steady. You shoot the blank. The dog stands steady, watches it fly away. You go over, you stroke your dog. Put the dog end it right there you just had a very successful training session if you continue from this point forward you're risking that you're going to screw this up mm -hmm. stop it let the dog stop on that good note right let the dog the last thing it remembers is that training session that you just went through yeah, so, right? right so if the second one and then I, so now we're going all the way back, right? We just started again. Go out there, we train. Dog goes on point. You flush the bird. When you flush the bird, it freaking takes like three steps forward. And you hold your hand out. And hey, you know? Mm -hmm. And it stops. It watches the bird fly away. You shoot. You go back. You move the dog back a foot. Tap the dog, release the dog. Now you can do it again, right? We're trying to get a good training session. Mm -hmm. And then on the second one, it does it all right. Finish it. You're done with it. Be done. Tap the dog on the head, let it run, let it go look for whatever. Mm -hmm. We're done. But that's finishing on a good note. And that's two different scenarios of dogs finishing on a good note. Hey. But, uh, going out and I, I watch people, I've seen people just think that they could do whatever and not have a really good training session mm -hmm. and just do a couple of, like sick commands and think they're finishing on a good day <laughs> give it a treat. It's definitely and, not enough. No, it's not enough. <laughs> no. Well, man, I um I definitely appreciate that and, and I'm continually learning a lot and just watching how you are with your dogs is, is pretty clear <laughs> that you definitely got a hold of what you're talking about. So I um and it is pretty important to remember, like I don't know, just I still think to keep the, the standard and expectation high for the dog also, like, you know, the ending on a good note and all that stuff, but dogs will like pretty much overachieve if that makes sense you know if you and, and I'm starting to see based on what you were saying just let him do what he does right and you'll, you so I think it was pretty important that I had to hear that and it was like alright <laughs> just watching him just even messing around in the house and in the backyard um just practicing that you know practicing that and just being quiet. Right. 
So I keep wanting to reiterate that because I again, Knox. Yeah. And he was with Knox for three months. And I just got him back uh, last month. Mm-hmm. Week, week before dove season. And for your listeners, uh, Maurice Lindley is 100% deaf. When he was uh, 30, I think he was 32 years old, mm-hmm. he came down with an inner ear disease that was incurable and it separated his eardrum. Wow. So he, at 32, he went 100% deaf, and he had already been training dogs for like almost 20 years at that point. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, anyway, uh, this disease took his hearing, and he came up with a, a basically a system where let the dog figure it out. I mean, he, Maurice will tell you straight up, you know, he'll do things, and he's completely quiet to and uh, he lets the dog figure it out and he said when the dog figures it out the dog thinks it's his idea mm-hmm. and when the dog thinks it's his idea he likes doing it right like yeah <laughs> he's more proud of it like he, he just he, he takes ownership he enjoys it right he enjoys it right and uh, that's where he knocks his man I love that you know I love Maurice that train knocks for three months I just love the fact that I can take him out there now he finds birds points birds and I don't say a word to knocks man I just I I look at him and knocks will look at me and I'll hold my hand up at him like Maurice would hold his hand up Mm -hmm. and knocks just allows me to uh, continue the hunt and before he was nothing about that before he would uh, basically battle me to the bird. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I found it, it's mine. <laughs> right, and now, okay. And, and now it's kind of like, he, he's not the same dog, thank God. Yeah, he's not, my buddies tell me all the time, that dog has changed. Yeah. You know, I like it. Okay, okay. Man, look, you selling me on that, man. <laughs> you keep selling me on it. That's fine. It's, it's Okay, okay now. You selling me. Um, Alright man, well look, I'm going to come down there, if not this weekend, next weekend. I need to let, I need to figure out which one of those days, but I'm going to see you soon, man. Like I said, I'm training every single day until the test, so I mean, I'm training all weekend. I'm training the following weekend. I'm training non-stop. Okay. So just let me know when you're coming and uh, how many birds you want. Okay. Okay, I can. I'm gonna take you up on that. All right, man. Thank you, and I'm about to get out of here, um, so I can go ahead and do this whole thing and put it on, put it up, and I'll let you get the links and stuff like that for it. But thank you, thank you, thank you, and thank you. <laughs> <laughs> You're very welcome. And I'll talk to you later. Okay. All right, man. Have a good one.